are back after some holidays and uh, it's a lovely time actually heading over to South Australia, um, spending time with my parents uh, in Berry in the Riverland and uh, the river was so high. Berry is just near Lock 4 and the water was higher than the lock. So that's how much water is in the Murray at the moment flowing through and there's more to come. Um, we were in Morgan the other day and they said it was six metres higher and they're expecting another five metres on top of that very soon in the next two weeks. So be praying that there's not too much flooding out that way. Um, but it was really nice. Um, also great as a Cats fan to uh, have that extra uh, just bonus uh, through the holiday season for me. And uh, I spoke with Rob Walker, or I texted Rob, and I said, was he able to be in civilization or anywhere near it to see the game? And he said, no, they were out in whoop-whoop with no reception or anything. Uh, as a fellow Cats fan, I felt his pain. Um, and uh, but even when he got to Kalgoorlie and had internet access again, he still couldn't see it. So he's hoping to see the game soon. I said, don't worry, it was good. Um, but let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to uh, thank you for the way that we can be here in freedom to come and to worship you. Lord, not only to worship, but Lord, to hear from your word as we look at Paul's final days today. May the truths of the scriptures just leap out into our eyes, into our minds, into our, into our hearts, Lord, and may you, you, you speak to us this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, today is the penultimate message in the story. Yes, that's right. This is week 30 of 31. Well done. Well done, everybody. We're almost there. We're almost there. Next week is the last message. And we've been on a journey through the entire Bible from the Garden of Genesis. And next week we'll end in the Garden in Revelation. We've been tracking with the upper story as God moves in creation to restore us through the lower story of his people he has chosen to use to accomplish his plans and purposes. Did you know that the Apostle Paul and the Emperor Nero, their lives overlapped for a short time in the city of Rome? Did you know that? In the seventh decade, these two famous men lived in the same city. While Nero's name was making headlines, Paul's wasn't. Oprah would have wanted to interview Nero. 60 Minutes, The Project, Four Corners, Sunday Nights, they would have all wanted Nero on their show. Nero would have been invited to state dinners hosted by the governor and prime minister at government house and uh, everyone would have wanted an invitation. Nero was hero. Paul was zero. Paul was a stoop-shouldered, balding, crooked-nosed, cloudy-eyed old man. Paul kept talking about Jesus as if he were God. So Paul got locked up in prison in Rome. If you asked anyone in Rome in the seventh decade who will make the greatest impact on the world, Nero or Paul, everyone would have said Nero. Nero was married to Papaya Sabina, a blonde, head-turning beauty who bathed in donkey milk. 400 donkeys, in fact, were, were kept on hand for just that, 
Can you imagine if that was your job to milk the donkey so that she can have a bath? Lots of, you know. She would also have been dried by swan feathers and massaged with crocodile mucus. How they got the crocodile mucus, I will not want to know. But I'm sure that there were some stumpy people around after that. See, Nero, he liked soft skin. And what Nero wanted, Nero got. Ah. Well, this isn't working, is it? There we go, okay. At age 25, Nero deified himself. Uh, amazing. At, at age 25, he was so popular, but he deified himself by erecting a 36-metre-high tall statue of himself. People looked up to Nero, but they looked down on Paul. See, Paul was common. He was described as bald-headed, bow-legged, a small man with a big nose and scruffy, thick eyebrows that met in the middle, unibrow, and a body covered with scars. See, but that's not the image I have in my mind when I think of Paul. And I won't lie, Paul is my most cherished character in the Bible outside of the triune God, of course. He is the greatest champion of the local church the greatest theologian, and for him, the gospel was everything. I admire Paul greatly. And we know a lot about Paul, not only because he wrote half of the New Testament, but he also shared a lot of his personal journey. And his story was also told in the book of Acts, which is basically the, the unfolding of how the gospel left Jerusalem. The New, Testament record, the New Testament records the dynamic life and deep struggles of Paul. See, one thing, however, is, is clear. We're also told that Paul led such a tumultuous life. His struggles were real. He didn't live in a fairy tale of palaces and songbirds chirping in the air. For Paul, the struggle was real. Listen to his own account of his struggles in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in 
danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. It doesn't really sound like a picture-perfect postcard of a life, does it? It doesn't sound enjoyable or the comfortable life to me. It's very different to each of our experiences, if we're really honest. Paul didn't get to retire in a nice home, enjoy the company of his grandkids and go on holidays. His life was full of danger, full of want, full of concern. Yet Paul did not say all this to complain. He wasn't like Habakkuk and Jonah. He was telling us all of these things as they are things that kept him humble. Listen as he goes on in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5 to 10. I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surprisingly great revelation, surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul knew the value of, of walking in the strength of the Lord even in the personal pain, suffering, afflictions, hardships and difficulties he faced each day. But through all of that, Paul certainly had some other amazing experiences. See, Paul walked in the major cities of the known Roman world. He walked in Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, Antioch, Malta, Paphos, Philippi, Ptolemy, Athens, Cyprus, Damascus, Spain, Thessalonica, Tyre, Lystra, Jerusalem, Tarsus, Laodicea. He saw more of the world than many of us ever will. And he did most of that on foot or travelling on ancient boats that would sink far too often. <laughs> and Paul was a hard worker, not only for the gospel... See, Paul was a tradie. Any tradies here today? We have a few. He wasn't a typical one, however, as he would make tents in the morning 
And then from lunchtime onwards, he'd go to the synagogues and town squares and would teach about Jesus to everyone gathered. So in the morning, he spoke, you know, he'd be making his tents. And from 11 o'clock to 4 o'clock every day, except for the Sabbath, he'd be out there telling people about Jesus and the gospel. So as, as well as being an accomplished tradesman, he was also a well-educated man and a fine orator. He could give very convincing and persuasive speeches. And Paul wrote books as he travelled and, and as he sat in prison, and, and we treasure his words to this day. See, I love reading the Pauline epistles, the letters he wrote to followers of Jesus. They're always my first port of call when I want to be fed by the word of God. I love how rich and how practical his writing is. See, Paul was both a prophet and a pastor who never got over that the living Jesus met him, changed him and commissioned him as an apostle. The encounter Paul had with Jesus completely changed his life and set his path on a completely new trajectory. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. Then Paul was a spokesman for God's grace. He was a messenger of grace. It seems his favorite word was grace. Your reading Paul's writings gives us the greatest understanding of grace, the undeserved favor of God. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but receive it. You know, I reckon it's worth doing a series on grace at some point. And most of that would be from Paul's writing. See, but everywhere that Paul went, though, he caused an uproar. Look at Acts chapter 21, verse 30 and 31. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. That sounds like when the Beatles visited here, doesn't it? You know? But this is Paul. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Man, he's got an effect on the world around him, doesn't he? See, the gospel will always encounter opposition and hostility. In our culture, it's much like the first century. It's opposed to the gospel. It doesn't want to hear that sin is the problem in the world and the solution is Jesus. That's a message our world does not want to hear. Just look at the recent examples where people have stood up to the idols of our culture and stood for the love of Christ and the truth of the scriptures and the reality of sin and grace. Just like Paul, people came for them. Just like Paul, they were seized. Maybe not physically, but certainly by the hostile media and the work crowd and social media virtue signalers. See, Paul certainly had a dynamic life. And he certainly had deep struggles as well, many of which are familiar to our own experiences. Others, however, we couldn't imagine the depths of setbacks he faced. Who's been shipwrecked? No, 
No, not, not in my experience. Who spent a day and a night in the open sea? Nope, not my experience. You know, just floating there on driftwood. He had a dynamic life. But what we discover as we read Paul's letters is that Paul reveals the secret of his ability in the face of opposition to endure to the end. See, being being rejected and, and often left for dead, how did Paul face the severe challenges in his life? I mean, some of the things that he went through, if it was you and I, we would have given up so much sooner. I just, but, but he had this, this amazing secret ability to endure. And we need to know the answer to that question. Because for some of us, we are rejected by our families for following Jesus. Some think we're crazy for believing in Jesus. And some of us feel the isolation that comes from being devoted to Jesus being the only Jesus follower in a workplace can sometimes be very isolating. Just like Paul faced all kinds of storms, we too all have storms of some kind. Maybe it's a relational storm. Some of us, we just keep putting our foot in it. We keep saying the wrong thing or or at the wrong time or are misunderstood. We have a wonderful heart that others just don't see and so find ourselves in relational storms. Some of us might be in financial storms. Might have made financial decisions that have placed us in a difficult place right now with rising interest rates and cost of living pressures skyrocketing. There's a growing trend among relief organisations who are seeing what they call the middle class poor people who were once living comfortably yet now the budget is spread so tight and so thin that they can't afford food once they cover their repayments desperately trying to keep their house some here today have never had the ability to climb out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle many of us find ourselves in financial storms but we also sometimes have those personal storms. You know, some of us are just really struggling with ourselves. We've got personal goals, ideas about how we would like our lives to be going, and when we look at ourselves, we wonder where it all went wrong. Why am I here? Have I wasted years of my life? How do I get back on track? We find ourselves in this personal storm of uncertainty and grief at what is missing. It is so easy for us all to find ourselves in storms of our lives, like Paul found he was in storm after storm, both literally and figuratively. Paul was even in prison. So how did Paul face the severe challenges in his life and endure until the end? Well, while in prison... In the Roman prison, Paul wrote to Timothy and he revealed his secret to his endurance. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're reading verses 8 to 12. 
This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. So this is the secret of Paul's endurance. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So here's the first thing of endurance. How Paul's secret was that Paul anchored his life to a hope out of this world. He has saved us and called us to a holy life because of his grace given to us in Jesus who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality. That is an amazing hope to anchor our lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And second, Paul entrusted his life into the hands of God because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. So there's the two things that are the secret of his ability in the face of opposition to endure to the end is to anchor his life to a hope out of this world and to entrust his life into the hands of God. You know, we can each identify with Paul because many times we feel like in life nothing's going right. And those are the moments where Jesus meets us, where we need that anchor of hope, where we need to entrust our lives into the hands of God, just like Paul. And what we see from Paul, if we compare him to Nero, is that Paul ended his life very well. Nero did not. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. See, Paul's life, his new life, began on the Damascus Road and ended on a chopping block in a prison cell in Rome. Nero, however, at the age of 29, was lonely and paranoid. His second wife killed his first wife, and Nero kicked his pregnant second wife, as sh- and she died. And four years after Paul's death, Nero committed suicide. Nero was no hero, yet Paul still impacts us to this day. See, there are no St. Nero cathedrals. People do not name their sons Nero. Yet lots of people are named Paul and Pauline. Who are the real difference makers in the world? 
not the spotlight-seeking, attention-craving wannabe celebrities or so-called influencers. It's the ordinary Pauls and Paulines, the church, who are making a difference for all eternity. See, only the church has been given the story of grace. You have been given the story of grace. So as I close this message, let me ask you this. Are you fighting the good fight? Are you finishing the course? Are you running the race? Oh, would it be that we could all say in great unison, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The history books might not record your life like they recorded Nero's or Paul's, but you can make just as much world-changing impact to the people you introduce to the gospel. Anchor your life to a hope out of this world and entrust your life into the hands of God. Run the race, finish the course, keep the faith, bring hope. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Almighty God, we can sometimes be so bogged down in the, the mess of life and it's so encouraging to know that there are those who have walked the path before us yet have endured. Well, that list of, that, that Paul gives of all the things that he faced, the challenges, the struggles, Lord, it's, it's overwhelming. And sometimes that is how our life feels, like it's so overwhelming. But Lord, may we be encouraged this morning to anchor our life to our hope out of this world and to entrust our life into your hands, God. May we be encouraged to run the race, to finish the course, to keep the faith. And Lord, we have an opportunity to be world changers and life changers to people in our, in our world, in our spheres of influence, Lord, as we bring the hope of the gospel. So may that encourage us and spur us on, Lord, there's so many people that need hope right now. And Lord, we need hope. So I don't know how much more people who don't have you need it even more. Lord, may our heart of love and compassion overflow to those around us who are yet to know you. May you help us bring the hope of the gospel as we anchor our life in the hope of you, which is out of this world, and entrust our life into your hands. May we be obedient as we walk, run, complete our, the, the race before us. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.
please join us as we sing together firm foundation for the reason we can make that stand together. The rock on which I stand When everything around me shaken I've never been more glad I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down Faithful through generations he fail now he won't he won't I've still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense so I won't be going under not held by my own strength cause I built my So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down He's faithful through generations so why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. No, he won't. He won't. He won't fail. on you 
And I'm saying with you, I'm gonna make it through. Rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. And I'm saying with you, I'm gonna make it through. Yeah, I'm gonna make it through. I'm standing strong on you. Yeah, I'm gonna make it through. My house is built on you. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down, faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. No, he won't. Please join us for a cup of tea or coffee after the service and a time for fellowship together.